You're listening to the Quince podcast. I just um feel because I never said anything he thought I enjoyed it. I don't know I'm I I should never justify this his wrong doing. And this guy would uh you know come home on the on the pretext of of seeing me. I developed a nightmare problem since then wherein I get repeated nightmares of abuse happening to me again and again and again and me being completely helpless and not being able to do anything about it. It's not easy to define yourself like that, you know. To call yourself what you've heard brave women and men call themselves before a child sexual abuse survivor. You probably shoved that memory deep into the recesses of the mind, layering over it carefully with instances of normalcy all your life. Maybe you were asked to maybe they asked you to hush it up, to sit quiet, to be a good girl and tell nobody. I don't know. All I know is that I wanted to find out. I'm Urmi Bhattacharya and you're listening to Unmute where voices little heard speak out. A few months ago I published an article about this 46-year-old woman who faced abuse 33 years ago. She was opening up about what she went through for the very first time. Listening to her story at the time was both shocking and revealing to me. Eventually, I did tell my mother about being raped by my cousin, but her reaction was complete disbelief. We spoke. I reached out to other adults like her who've never spoken up before, but who want to today. I wanted to know why if they're coming out with their stories now, years, sometimes decades after they were abused, would it be for peace, for catharsis? for some semblance of justice would it be to help others like them who might listen to their voice and want to break their silence too for this podcast i found five voices five brave women who were willing to tell me their stories but first a disclaimer the stories you hear now mention sexual assault to some degree and might be triggering for some listeners so please exercise caution also We asked each of these women if they wanted to disclose their names and what you hear now is presented with their complete consent. Between the ages of 9 and 13, Ishadrita was repeatedly sexually abused. She was abused while her father, who was a lung patient, was in the hospital and her mother was taking care of him. She was left alone in the care of a family friend who, as she puts it, took it as a free pass to do anything he wanted to do. The time period that I'm talking about, the time period of abuse, uh, was between the ages of nine to thirteen. So I remember how it started. Like I remember the exact moment. Uh, I don't remember exactly how old I was, but this person who did it for the longest time, uh, he was. You could call him a, fa- a family friend. Like he was my aunt's, my my 
my aunt's husband's i don't know nephew or something and he was someone from their side so he it was a very distant re- relative and uh, he used to spend a lot of time at our house um, i remember distinctly that there was there was some time when um, you know he came home and i just um, hugged him uh, because he got me a chocolate or something and it 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 was a very innocent hug and i remember later in the same day is when it started my father passed away when i was 11 and about a year and a half uh, before that he had a very massive attack uh, he was a lung patient and he had a lung disease and he had a very bad attack uh, so much so that uh, at that point actually we had thought that we would probably lose him so he was in the hospital for a long period of time at which point i was uh, alone at home um for for most of the time because my brother at that point was not at home and he was outside studying engineering so um my uh, my mother would be at the hospital and i'll be alone at home and this guy would uh, you know come home on the on the pretext of of seeing me and then it would just happen like he would touch me all over he would grope me uh he would rub himself against me and um, you know from time to time he would ask me uh, you know i do this uh, i hope you don't mind right i'm just ami ami tomake ador korchi this is i'm just i'm just uh, this is a way of showing my love uh, in the time when my father had this major attack um, and in the time of recovery after he came back from the hospital also i was staying for a long time with my aunt and uncle uh, this guy also used to stay with them um many times many a times they would leave me alone with him like leave him to babysit me and there was a free pass for him to do anything that he wanted to do i remember i used to try and avoid him like if he was sitting on the bed i would sleep i would sit on the floor uh, eventually i don't know i don't remember exactly how it stopped but he kind of phased out of my life i mean i remember just feeling at that point that there was so much happening on my father's end and there was so much that my mother was going through anyway so i just felt like the fact that this was happening to me and that i did not particularly like it uh, was not something that i should have articulated later i figured out that um, maybe i should have probably said that to them because that i have a feeling to a certain extent festered i would blame my uh, my mother or my brother who's 11 years older to me for not paying enough attention or uh, knowing their child enough to figure out that something was wrong uh, that feeling has wrong gone um, it has gone of course with a certain amount of therapy that was her story about what happened then but what about now what about the life and the living today ishadrita tells me that she has changed irrevocably she tells me she doesn't look at sex the same way i found studies which say that sexual abuse survivors often exhibit traits such as and i quote a lack of interest in sex approaching sex as an obligation experiencing negative feelings such as anger disgust or guilt with touch feeling emotionally distant or not present during sex and experiencing difficulty maintaining an intimate relationship what does ishadrita go through listen to her and understand 
I think because of the incident, I, you know, since my teenage life and all through my adult life, uh, I, I have stopped paying as much importance or stop uh, assigning as much importance to sex or sexual activities as uh, I think a lot of people do. Um, uh, there's a certain kind of um, sacredness that certain people uh, assign to. Um, sex which i have never assigned that has led me to be the victim of slut shaming that has led to a lot of misunderstandings that has led to a lot of mental harassment and heartbreak uh, for different reasons but yeah like i am what people colloquially would call sexually easy quote unquote there have been multiple incidents in multiple other places by multiple other pe- people but um, this is really what um, I would say has stayed on and will stay on for the rest of my life. The second person you hear on this podcast is Zija. She's a 27-year-old woman who told me when I asked her to share her story that she had nothing to be embarrassed about, that she had in fact been embarrassed for too long. It's taken her almost 20 years to open up about what happened. and to acknowledge that what happened to her then was wrong in fact one night before this recording she actually told her sisters the truth about her abuser and she hugged them and cried in front of them zija's abuser is her cousin as you go deeper and deeper into her story you'll hear her say at some point how she danced at her abuser's wedding how she was embarrassed that she didn't stop him for years and felt guilty that perhaps he thought she actually liked it that she liked being touched by him it's a common sentiment that among csa survivors rain which is an acronym for a popular us sexual assault resource center says and i quote you might feel guilty about not having been able to stop the abuse or even blame yourself if you experienced physical pleasure for now let's listen to zija's voice She also chose to use her own name. Hi, my name is Ajit. I am 27 years old and I was sexually abused when I was in third standard. It it happened over a summer vacation when I visited my and mere aur unki family bhi wahan pe rehti hai and son who was in 12th standard at that time uh he did it so it started with him asking us to play this uh, ghar ghar game and me my sister and another cousin he used to say that i um i will be your groom and all three of you will be my wife and he'll be like okay cook food for me and and when we used to go serve him the food like one by one he would he would um take us under the blanket and i don't know what happened with the other two but then uh, he made me hold his penis i don't know i thought probably this is the game i i just did not know i was like okay this feels weird and i don't know for what reason i never spoke to my sister or my cousin about it this thing continued till 6th standard whenever we used to visit my place something or the other used to happen so there was this instance once where we were sitting in a room and we both were alone and i was uh, drawing something 
and he was lying next to me. He unzipped my jeans and he put his hand inside. I did not know how to respond to that. I just stood up and went. So when did it stop is, I mean, I was the one who stopped it. I was at my place and we were lying next to each other. We were watching football and he put his hand and grabbed my breast and I put his hand away. Initially, I felt I don't have the courage to do it. But then in my head, I was like, you have to physically tell him not to do it if you can't do it verbally. And then I took his and I put his hand away. And, uh, and you know, I gave a little pat when I kept his hand back on his stomach. You know, that's where it belongs, not on my body. And uh, he didn't do it after that. I just um, feel because I never said anything, he thought I enjoyed it. I don't know. I'm, I... I should never justify this, his wrongdoing. I never shared this with my parents. I, I don't know, I somehow don't want to complicate things. So it's been over 15 years, almost 20 years, I think, if I'm not wrong, uh, since this incident happened. And uh, I have attended his wedding and we've been okay-ish with each other. And uh, um, I've danced at his wedding also. So um, I think both of us, we buried this. Uh, so I'm super close with my sisters, but I never shared this with them because I was very, very embarrassed. It took a lot of courage to actually tell them and they were really shocked. Of course, they were sorry. They were very, very sorry and so sad. They felt sad about this. My sister, she hugged me and then she said, um, you know, that uh, she's uh, she's sorry that this happened and that, um, that I had to hide this uh, with me for such a such a long long time and then um i was i was fighting the tears i was uh, <laughs> the embarrassment went on for so long i um i just tried to fight my tears my sister she hugged me and she said that you know um i'm sorry that you had to live with this for so many years and i feel so stupid that i'm so stiff that i didn't let go of myself and cry i kept on fighting my tears and hide the fact that I'm so hurt and I'm so sad and broken. I was feeling so broken at that moment and they were shocked because um, this person is loved by everybody and a lot of us youngsters, we, we looked up to him because he's so successful and so nice and all that and everybody loves him and I think that's what made them so sad also because they didn't expect it from him. What I understand is like anybody who who looks like a decent, nice person, decent, decent, nice human being can be a molester. Zija's voice, among so many others, tells you what surveys and statistics already do. That in most cases, the perpetrator is known to the child. It's usually a family member or a person the child is familiar with and in fact trusts. Reshmi's story follows a similar pattern. She saw her badminton coach almost every day during practice while she was growing up. At the age of 17, after a game of badminton, he abused her. Reshmi chose to use her own name. Hi, uh, my name is Reshmi and I am here to speak a little bit about my experience uh, I can't, I mean, I just want to speak about something traumatic that happened 
back when I was naive. I don't know. I'm 31 years old now. So when I was 17 years old, I still remember it was during you know uh, the I was playing badminton, and uh, it happened during I was I was trying to work out after my uh, you know badminton uh, after a badminton game and there was nobody I guess, and only a very trusted coach uh, who had taught me. Who was teaching me? Who has been te- teaching me since I was what? Uh, in standard five, and in seventeen, you can imagine I was. I just got into you know class twelve, and yeah, he came and he said, "Okay, okay, I'm going to help you work out." And of course, the you know the trust that was there, I think I allowed it, and yeah, it was my badminton teacher. He was saying, "Okay, I'm going to let you do, you know, back crunches, and he, you're on your front, and you put your body back up." So he had his hands uh, inside my uh, uh, top, and he was fondling my uh, stomach, and he had his hands around my uh, uh, shoulders, and I, I don't think I can, but it would be good if you can. Go. Yeah, I can't speak about. It. It was years later. I fathomed uh, or you know grasped the reality of it. I guess a part of me just blocked the memory out, so I never thought I should. I spoke to my mother. I think it was only last to last year or maybe last year I spoke to my mother about it. And mothers being mothers, she just guessed who she was, who he was. Even now, you know, ever during any, if I'm getting physical, if I'm. Yeah, if I'm just getting physical, I think that memory just haunts. Just post that, and I become all this crabby, and I lose my temper. I become a whole different person altogether. I just shrivel up. <laughs> But later, you know, when people started talking, when media got, you know, media got very vocal about such incidents, and I, I remembered it was then that I, I used to feel this kind of. you know my heart just clogging up or i used to feel this shivers or i don't know there were times i used to feel very dirty okay let me ask you a question how much do you think people change years after decades after after the abuse the fear the burying it deep within the subconsciousness few people would answer as forcefully as neha who spoke to me on the condition of anonymity we've changed her name in this podcast neha says she was abused by her paternal grandfather when she was left alone in the house with him that abuse stays with her to this day causing her to wake up to nightmares shivering and crying Psychological help doesn't work for me," she says. Academician Kathleen Ratican helps with understanding what she's going through. In this book, she's written on sexual abuse survivors called "The Journal of Counseling and Development." She says, and I quote: "Some survivors may have dissociated to protect themselves from experiencing that sexual abuse. This dissociation may include feelings of confusion, feelings of disorientation, nightmares, flashbacks, and difficulty experiencing feelings. Have a listen to her story now. 
Hi, I am a 27 year old woman based out of uh, Delhi NCR. I was 7 years old when it first happened and 8 when it happened for the second time with a second family member. The first time when it happened, it was my paternal grandfather. My parents had gone out for the evening, leaving me alone with him, and he used that as an opportunity to abuse me. The second time around, it was my uh, mom's cousin brother, and while playing one afternoon, he must have been about 19, 20 at that point. So it was just me and him playing uh, some game. I don't remember, but what I do remember is, you know, what he did to me, and you know, it still haunts me today. When it happened for the first time, I told my parents what had happened. I was very confused. I didn't know what had happened to me. All I knew was that I was in a lot of pain. My parents uh, didn't know what how to react, and I actually enacted everything out to my mother. My while my father didn't really say much. Actually, he didn't say anything at all. Uh, the very next evening, when my parents had to go out again, and he was okay with leaving me alone with him again, I was really hurt. And even today. you know it still hurts me to know that my father did not stand up for me like my very own biological father he couldn't take a stand for me because it was his father in question my mother was the one who raised her voice against it and in exchange uh, my grandparents just asked us to leave the house the second time around when it happened i told my mom and maternal grandparents the very instant and what they did was throw him out of the house they asked him to leave they asked him to you know move to punjab where my grandparents uh, own property i'm actually going to say that this incident haunts me more often than not because i developed a nightmare problem since then wherein i get repeated nightmares of abuse happening to me again and again and again and me being completely helpless and not being able to do anything about it and i have woken up almost every night sweating screaming crying asking for help so yes the incident affects me even today it affects how i see the world it affects how i think about the opposite gender in general and i do confide into my mother about it i keep her in the loop so whether it's a nightmare or whether it's a bad memory flashback I always do talk to her about it because she's been my biggest support through all of this and she's helped me move on from there. I haven't ever considered approaching the legal system really because very frankly considering how the legal system in India works it would just mean you know get going through a lot of rounds of the court and you know having to relive everything that had happened and I don't think I will ever be prepared to do that to myself. I have uh, received psychological help. I have seen various counselors time to time and no it hasn't helped. Psychological help while uh, important to move on from the incident per se it hasn't really uh, helped my brain put it behind. Now this fifth voice is basically the one that began the whole journey let's call her vidhi you remember the woman i told you about right at the beginning vidhi broke down in front of her husband 33 years after her sexual abuse and she told him everything how did she manage to keep it all bottled up within her for so long i don't know but together when we were working on her story we explored a lot of options for her unlike the other four women whose voices you just heard 
Vidhi wants to file an FIR for rape against that cousin. She actually wants to see something happen. Will she get justice? Will it take years? I have no idea. But what I do know, or at least can hope for, is that she'll reclaim some of that power that she thinks she lost all those years ago. I'm 46, and I live in Washington, D.C. I'm a childhood sexual abuser survivor, and was abused from the age six to thirteen by my adult cousin, who was 23 at the time when I was only six. I was repeatedly physically assaulted by him in front of the other family members, in form of a discipline and. also sexually abused in disguise of taking care of me from when i was 6 to 11 and then he went on to rape me several times between the ages of 12 to 13 i could never tell my mother or anyone about my abuse because i was too little and also i realized that the word always gets to him and then i'll be very badly beaten for speaking up but then eventually i did tell my mother about being raped by my cousin but her reaction was complete disbelief however they decided to move city with me and never to report him to the authorities but to exclude him from the family events being so young at the time to understand the issue and whose fault was in the crime against me i thought as a child it was my fault and as a result whatever my parents and my family were doing was in my best interest i trusted as a child to look after and to love people around me and i did the same too As an adult, however, I think they didn't want to discuss the issue as it would question their blind trust of my perpetrator. Clearly, they didn't protect my childhood and failed to stand up against the wrong. As a result, yes, now my relationship is somewhat strained with my family for being disbelieved. After 33 years of silence, of the abuse i finally confided to my husband who wholeheartedly supported my my stance and encouraged me to stand up for the justice i did approach the criminal system and registered my case with poxo and eventually registered again with ncw hoping to file an fir to lodge a formal criminal complaint to seek justice for the crime committed against me it's not easy to escape the memories of the abuse of this magnitude and to forget the incidents that happened throughout my childhood especially when witnessing my daughter growing up through similar ages her childhood innocence reminded me of my unfortunate childhood years the me too movement and watching particular television shows on child sexual abuse issues have all brought the memories overwhelmingly back 
All these stories are also individually available on the Quinn's website as audio video with supporting illustrations. Please check them out. You can also visit our YouTube page for the stories. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please subscribe to the Unmute playlist on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, GeoSavan and most other popular podcast streaming platforms that the Quint is on. If you want to listen to more podcasts like these, log on to the Quint's website and check out our podcast section.